Hey everybody, welcome to Insufferable Bastards, a movie and TV review podcast, although occasionally we delve into the world of Howard Stern and adjacent universes. My name is Carlos Danger, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Brian Spears. Hello, Brian. Hello, hello. So we're getting back into our movie review roots here with this episode. We're going to be talking about One Too Many, a movie written, not directed, but produced by stuttering John Melendez, the world-famous podcaster, stuttering John Melendez, also known as Stut Joe, has a rabid fan base called Dabblers. I'm sure you're aware of all that, Brian. I'm totally aware. I thought we would talk about one too many because a couple of weeks ago, two people who are members of the Dabblers Anonymous, the paper of record of the subreddit of Stuttering John, it was Why Do I Podcast and Dabblers Unanimous YouTube pages okay. did a watch along of this movie. So I watched this like two weeks ago and then I watched it again last night. And I will say that the commentary provided by the people who were, who were watching along and posting comments and then the two hosts was much better than the actual movie. It was much more entertaining, yeah. much funnier than, than the actual uh, movie. So, but I thought it would be, oh, this would be an interesting one for you and I to watch and then sort of break down what is this movie, what's good about it, what's bad about it, and all that good stuff. So I guess first maybe we'll go through an overview of One Too Many, right? Like I said, it was written and produced by Stuttering John Melendez. He also performs a boatload of songs yeah. on the movie's soundtrack. The soundtrack's very specific. It's very specific to the time and era when movies like this all, were getting made. It's, it has like, it's like a 90s. It sort of sounds like... Like, like generic covers of, of Alice in Chains almost. There's some Sterling John and there's some Nancy, uh, Nancy, oh, uh, Jackie, Martin's, Jackie's wife, uh, Jackie's wife, Nancy or ex-wife, Sirianni, ex-wife. Yes. Oh no. Okay. Cause one, that's what I, I was looking for. Okay. Where are the Howard Stern connections in this movie? And I, they weren't jumping out at me. Not, not as much as I expected, but that's one I missed. Yeah, I the saw that Sirianni, the Nancy Sirianni, right? Isn't that yeah, her name? because it's uh, like all folked up and all her like big yellow marble, or I'm, I'm probably saying it wrong, so we'll get comments. But whatever the marble band was, and yeah, I had to look it up because I I was like, man, all these songs sound like Suttering John singing. So I you know I waited till the credits, and there he is. He's like, and yeah. it's everything. So and I was yeah, like, this whoa, is, this is a Stuttering John as you can get. It was released in 2008 according to IMDb, but it had to be kicking around for a while because Stern had talked about, we'll get into this, but Stern had talked about this movie like a full year before, uh, according to a couple of uh, websites. Yeah, and I, I saw on IMDb, they said, uh, I mean, we'll get into this later too, but Artie was approached to be a role, but they said because he was in and out of rehab, he couldn't. But in 2008, like let's just say this was made somewhere between 2005 and 2007. Like he was fully on the show. I'm not saying you know he wasn't delving probably just into some bad stuff, info, but but he probably could. You know he definitely wouldn't have done it anyways. Right. Yeah. Because where they were, John the left, fracture. Yeah. John left the show in 2004. So this is this is during his Tonight Show yes. years, and we'll get into that too. But uh, okay, shady investor. The movie lists in the opening credits multiple producers, multiple executive producers, including a guy named Mark Fiore, who had done time in federal prison a few years back for securities fraud. And I only learned that today from a post by a user, JKO1962, JKO1962, on the subreddit, Dabblers Anonymous again. So they got everything. Uh, National Lampoon, to talk about that, this is National Lampoon Presents One Too Many, yeah. but National Lampoon had nothing to do with the movie's actual production. They acquired it, slapped their brand on the movie after it was done. It carries the National Lampoon brand, officially worded on the box as National Lampoon Presents. That's important because it's not the possessive. It's not National Lampoon's Animal House. It's uh, by design, according to a 2015 article on Vulture.com by Tom Huddleston. I actually reached out to this guy, but he didn't get back to me. I see you're, you're big time in me, Tom. But that article on Vulture from 2015 details the downfall of National Lampoon and its brand, which was, you know, a legendary thing in legendary. the 70s, as we but, all know. But they've made a the magazine. They've been involved in a ton of movies of late, which, you know, 
sounds like it's all like this. They're, they've they gone just, through multiple corporate owners. Yeah. Uh, in this article, National Lampoon, then National Lampoon president, Alan Dons, uh, he's quick to acknowledge the, couple, the company's muddled legacy, says the former executives eventually began labeling some of the movies National Lampoon Presents rather than the traditional National Lampoons because, uh, according to Dons, an investor named Dan Lakin felt the Presents construction gave the company more distance from the substandard product they were putting out. Generally, Dons explains, National Lampoon Presents is in the title if it's a stinkier pile of shit, according to the, that article. But all that being said, this movie, I mean, I don't remember it really at all. I have like vague memories of this movie coming out, but it got a big push. Uh, you know, like we said, Stuttering John left Stern in 2004. Yeah. But according to MarksFreakin.com, the internet, uh, the Howard Stern historian. Yes. MarksFreakin.com. Uh, on October 11th, 2007, there was a news report during the Howard Stern show from Steve Langford. Langford said they have a story coming about Stuttering John, who's released a new movie trailer for the movie One Too Many. So that was a full year before its release. And he mentions he might be known from the Howard Stern show, I guess, in the trailer. He doesn't mention that he's on The Tonight Show. Howard said that when he saw that on wireimage.com the other day, they listed John as John Stern instead of John Melendez. <laughs> so it got a little mention there in 2007. Also, according to MarksFriggin.com, movie got a plug from the Stern show in their serious days during their Stern spotlight stuttering John on day one, aired on April 14th, 2008. Here's, this is the uh, exact a notation from Mark at MarksFreakin.com. John must have cut a deal to do this special because he got a plug for his new movie, National Lampoon Presents One Too Many, after this segment. Uh, also, according to MarksFriggin.com, on February 27, 2008, <coughs> it's called uh, Stuttering John on Howard's Shitless. Stern went off on John for talking smack about him on Adam Carolla. Tim Sabian came in and said they were going to do a Stuttering John retrospective. And he was going to do an interview with him, but he wanted plugs for the movie every hour. Tim said he asked John to help him out there, but John was appalled that he'd even ask him to do that. I guess uh, he was, wow. John stood, stood strong. How dare you? <coughs> Howard told Tim he shouldn't have to beg that asshole. Tim said that John was appalled that he would ask him to do a personal favor. Howard told him to tell John to go F himself. Uh, the guys were saying, I thought this was kind of interesting, the guys were saying that John would bring out the good comics out on the road to do stand-up, and he'd rip off some material from the other guys. Fred was saying, of course, Fred Norris, was saying that he heard the same thing from people but did not say who it was. And, of course, this is a rundown. If anybody not, is not familiar, this is a, a rundown, one-man summary of what yes. happened on the show that day. Uh, well, one Howard, of the comics rumored is Nick DiPaolo. That what? That said John stole? stole or like definitely rips off like rips off comics both financially and you know financially is all over the place yeah levy's yeah. talked about that at length but DePaulo said that john stole that wasn't i don't know if he said he stole the okay. word ripped off howard played more of john plugging his new movie one too many on adam's show he was talking about what a great actor jeffrey ross was in the movie the guys goofed on him about that John said that his movie comes out on April 10th and it comes out on DVD the 15th. Howard thought that was funny. Five days in the theaters before it hits DVD. Howard said that the challenges anyone, he challenges anyone to sit through that piece of crap. He said Jay, Lego, Jay Leno isn't plugging that crap. He figures that John will blame Jay Leno for the failure of the movie when it doesn't make any money. Uh, then here's a YouTube video. Sorry if this is going on too long, but Howard briefly mentioned uh, John's movie in October 2009 after John wrote something about not drinking the Kool-Aid on, on Facebook, apparently. Yeah. Oh, do you remember that? I remember that, yeah, because I looked it up. Because he was, because, you know, Howard always says he invented everything. Yes, and, and, yes, and, yes. And St uh, Stern, I'm sorry, John was defending uh, Jay, Jay Leno. Leno. Yeah. Because what were these? He was getting accused of uh, stealing jaywalking at the time. Jaywalking, more or less, yeah. But I mean, listen, I, I I will say Howard's. You know, if you listen to Howard long enough, he did invent everything. So, um, yeah. you know, but for Stuttering John then to defend Leno is, you know, I mean, Stuttering John was the guy doing some of that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, you know, just if you think about Ross the intern and stuff like that. Oh. So, 
Stuttering John. We're going to get into Ross the intern. All of that. Right. Yeah. Stuttering John says the that Triumph, Triumph ripped them off. Yeah. All right. So let's see if I got this in the right place. Uh, don't paint me, a guy who gave you a break in life, to be some little boy who cr cried wolf. I've got a pretty major fucking career going, John. When you have my kind of career, you fucking have a right to chime in. And uh, despite your writer status now, now, now he's a writer. I've seen the shit you've written. I saw your movie, and I was nice enough not to comment on it, but it was a piece of shit. And just shut the fuck up. You, have, you, don't, you don't really have any business talking. And out of respect for your wife, I'll, I'll fucking leave it at that, because I could bury your fucking ass. So uh, that was that. And I guess, like, one thing that I wasn't aware of, Brian, you probably are, because you've got a better memory and you've listened more attentively than I have over the years, is that uh, Stuttering John's then-wife, Susanner, yeah. was friends with Beth. I guess yes. they, were, they were close. Yes. Even when he left, like, John still had a relationship. Um, and I believe I want to, and he blew it and he blew it. I think it was the Corolla comments because even, I think in that, in those Corolla blowups, I think he mentions like, I just had him over or like, Oh, he thinks he's coming over. I think it's that exact. Yeah. If I had let it play that he might've exactly mentioned that. I apologize. Yeah. But, yeah. So like he definitely like, so they did have somewhat of a relationship. I don't know how much they saw each other, but I'm sure Beth, you know, was that influence there because the wives were friendly. And then uh, this was something that I just came across today. It was recently posted on YouTube by the YouTube channel Debbie Dabbler. Uh, that is one of the members of Dabbler's Anonymous that subreddit. And I don't even know how this person did. Everybody on, on that Dabbler's subreddit, they know so much more about editing <laughs> than, than we do. It's unbelievable. So I can't even explain this, but this is footage from the premiere of One Too Many that aired on The Tonight Show. And then you'll also oh, wow. you're also going to hear uh, interspersed with that is the Uncle Rico show. I guess they commented on this too. I don't particularly remember that, but this is pretty good. We're going to watch a couple of minutes of it again. It's from Debbie Dabbler, uh, YouTube page, well known. It's you know, I think they have, she has three <coughs> times the number of uh, uh, followers. What are you, are you dying there? You need some water? You want to mute yourself and get water or something like that? Are you all right? I'm all right. All right. So let me see here. I'm going to zoom. I'm going to. That's the wrong thing. Bear with me one second there. Boom. Boom. Yeah, here's Ross the intern. This is at the end. He had a silly interaction with Alan Thicke and Alan Thicke's wife. I, I, ugh. You play John's love interest, right? Yes. Yes. All right. Did you make out with him? That's uh, if you're listening audio, audio only. It's uh, Ross the intern interviewing Bellamy Young, who as was mentioned, played John's girlfriend in this movie. She's essentially the co-star of this movie. Number two billing, I'd say, under John. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, a lot. For the ladies out there, uh, the stutterers, they have special uh -huh. skills. Like other uh, mus muscles. I gotta be honest. I'm intrigued, but sick to my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> she was a freaking Charlie's angel, right? This is great. She, Tanya Roberts, has no idea who John is. This is great. <laughs> I guess her kid doesn't go to that school. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Now, do you know John personally? Which John? Oh, and started John Melendez. Yes, I do. You do. Yes. You know, on the way over here, I said, "What's the name of this movie, and who's in it?" No one ever tells me anything. So you don't know what movie this is? No, I do know now that it's some... Uh, What's it called? One, two, three... Hey, I just... You know what? I'm going to rewind this for a second. Did you hear that uh, John allegedly sent a guy to talk to Shuli when he was over in our part of the world doing shows a couple of weeks back? Like when I interviewed him, he was doing a okay. show here in yeah. Connecticut, and then he was going to Long Island, and a guy approached him, a guy on a, in a cane, with a cane, walking with a cane, basically said, hey, leave stuttering John alone. And it's been determined it was John's best friend. But I swear, is that the guy in the background? I just rewind this for a second. I wouldn't know John's best friend, though. Oh, this is, okay, it's the guy over I, her yeah, right I shoulder. See, I... This guy right here, because he's been a guest on John's podcast. It's sort of, I mean, it's hard to tell here, but he's he's now a much older dude. But John, you know, this is, he. the guy went and basically uh, threatened Surely. Damn. No, I do know now. That's, eh, maybe I'm wrong, though. Uh, but anyway, that was a ditzy, uh, what's her name? Tanya, Tanya Roberts. Roberts. 
She's still alive. She's still with us. I don't think so. Yeah. So that's that. Get that out of there. Stop sharing that. Uh, anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. Also, earlier in that thing, Jay Leno is actually there. And it's just like you think back, it had a, a, a movie premiere that was carried on national television. Or least, I mean, snippets of it was carried on national television on The Tonight Show. You know, but it was probably, I don't know the exact ratings, but I'm sure it was beating Letterman at that time. Because there was that whole thing where sure, Leno sure. went through. But that's and where John, this, he, he's able to manipulate and get these like But can awesome you imagine... Things. Now that you've watched this movie, can you imagine what the stink in that theater must well, have been of shame and failure when all those people, Jay Leno, sat through well, do you, I don't one think, too did, many. Jay Leno walked the carpet and he didn't go in. You I don't think he went in at all? I mean, listen, that's all. I bet you half those people walked the carpet, went in, you know, did a little thing and then went out. Um and probably but it had to, to be painful, right? Like just like because well, it's it's, I mean, it's a bad movie. I mean, there's it's this is beyond bad. This yeah. is like insulting. Um, yeah, it's a, it's like, it's amateurish. I mean, there's there's low budget movies, well, and then well, I was just, just gonna say, like I've you know I work in film and TV all the time. I'm a makeup artist, and literally, like in the last you know couple days, even today, I had a movie talked. Uh, uh, they press released this movie Blackout by Larry Fison and. Glass Side Picks movie, new movie, a werewolf movie. It was on uh, featured on an indie wire uh, column, uh, and that movie had no money, like no money. And we made. I, I'm hoping something. I'm proud of this movie. Definitely had way more money than than some of the movies I've had the chance to work on, and it looks so bad. Everything let's looks get like into it's it. So let's get into it. Well, that's I, I'm going to touch upon that because I, I have that. That's one thing I want to touch upon. But let's get into the movie right now because the movie's directed by an actor, a man who's primarily known as an actor, Michael DiLorenzo. He is best known for his role as Detective Eddie Torres on New York Undercover, a show on Fox from the 90s that I've seen commercials for. But I don't know if anyone in, on the planet actually watched that show. Wait, but he's which guy? He's, Michael, Michael DiLorenzo. Oh, the lead guy of that show? He, he yeah, was he in, was. Yeah. yeah he was yeah. in fame? Was he in fame? I don't know he, if he was in fame. I looked I gotta, up his... I had it in the, uh, in the, in the thingamajig. The, uh, oh, wow. That guy. The document I shared with you, God damn it! I looked at it. I didn't see that. Oh, yeah, that's right. It, under there, it says uh, it's, it's got the web address. But that was... Uh, yeah, he's a well-known guy. He's like that. You know, he hasn't really done much in a while. But yeah, an actor from New York Undercover. And he deserves, you know, he hasn't directed anything since. He hasn't directed a feature-length film since. And after watching One Too Many, you can kind of tell why. So the major plot points of this movie. Stuttering John plays Tom, a struggling actor who wants to find a girlfriend who will welcome other women into their bedroom for a threesome. Like, that's the plot. Tom meets Jennifer, an actress played by Bellamy Young, who we saw in that clip. They hit it off, eventually have a threesome. I mean, uh, spoiler alerts. But Jennifer then falls in love with the other woman. John learns a lesson and, in the final scene, finds love, I guess, with a minor character played by his then real-life wife, Susanna. Jeffrey Ross has significant screen time in this thing, basically playing Jim Belushi in About Last Night. He's just the goofy best friend. Jim J. Bullock has a fairly large supporting role, as John's therapist, and it has an inexplicable cameo by Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban appears uh, in this movie, I think, in two scenes, and has like a has like a really quick sort of sex scene that's supposed to be funny because this is a sex comedy essentially. Yeah, but it's sexless. It's not sexy, and it well, it's not a comedy. I mean, <laughs> uh, it's not funny. It's there's so it's I don't. It's it's a it's a bad stand up routine. I, yeah, I swear we'll get this to that is dialogue. John's, yeah, this a lot of the John's, lines. It sounds like it's just crowbarred in from his act. A lot of it sounds like that. John and, is and, in every scene in this movie. His character is constantly on the screen, and this is not good because John's character is a walking contradiction. I feel personally, my biggest complaint against this movie is that John's characters make absolutely no sense that they're just contradictions you know like he's tom right and this is a movie 
if it was inspired by or what it was trying to do or what you kind of expect by, by, by watching a bunch of movies that are of this vein, you get the impression or you, you get, you have the expectation that Tom played by John is going to be a lovable loser like Bill Murray in stripes, like Vince Vaughn in dodgeball, like oh, Seth Rogen in knocked up, you know? Uh, but yeah, he's literally, he's just a dirt bag for which the viewer will have no sympathy, but the movie John's script seems to be under the impression that we should have sympathy for this guy. And this is how the character is introduced. I'm going to play a clip, uh, uh, audio only, where we actually get to meet John. If I can find it right now. Here we go. You know, they say with every life experience, there's a lesson to be learned. And man, did I learn mine. See, that was me fantasizing about every woman I saw. See, I was what you might call a horn dog, a playboy, a gigolo. I'm what you ladies might call, well, a scumbag. Say what? So, uh, all right, so here's a guy. Just heard that clip. That's, that's the first dialogue in the movie. Yeah. That's a guy played by Stuttering John who has no problem to sleep with. Because in that montage, when that narration yeah, he, is happening, he beds like and thrusts into like three different, uh, you know, model-looking girls that he just sees on the street of or whatever set he's on. Like it's effortless for him yeah. to find sexual hookups. Also, when he's saying that at that moment, it's like you you think it's the past. Like he's he's a new guy. You know what it's I mean? It's very like confusing. Yeah, he starts off saying, "I learned my lesson." You're like, "I learned my lesson," but that's the guy he is the whole movie. You're disoriented by, by by what the heck this character is supposed to be, and like you know. But then we see him carry on, right? He's supposed to be the, the this ladies' man, but he's repulsive. Yeah. Right? He's not likable he, in any way. There's no charisma there. He's not Richard Gere in American Gigolo, and so it's a fatal flaw because he's supposed to be like the surrogate for the audience. This is the guy we're supposed to root for. You know, I like noted like in Superbad, right? There's two dudes trying to have sex, right? That's a big theme in that movie. But they're likable. They're accessible characters. There's a humility to those characters. They're underdogs. You know, so when they're put in these situations, you're rooting for them. Not with this. John's script has his character. Oh, that's, that's the thing, man. As it's, both the protagonist and the antagonist. He, and by it, that, I mean he, he's like a loser, but we see him bed three women in the opening montage. He's a struggling actor but we see him talk crap about his fellow actors and the Tony and Tita's wedding thing. He's totally condescending to them. It's just, it's horrible. So I interrupted you. What were you going to say? I just think it all comes down to, this is a really, really bad script. Yep. Um, and and listen, it's his. I mean, I mean, it's, and it's, it's basically John's autobiography. Well, his, his fantasy autobiography. Well, sure. But I think it's more our autobiography than we, probably know like i think you know that holds a tina and tony you know him trying to be like i'm mr stud guy but the thing is he can't even tell his own story well the first thing they always say when you're making a movie is like write what you know and i don't know like you know john always claimed you know he was a you know went to nyu he uh nyu film school baby yeah film school he he, he watched you know quote unquote great movies was a big fan of the godfather you know always spoke movies gave movies as christmas christmas gift to all the guys recommended movies all the time and then this is the thing he makes this is just really one of the worst stories i mean you know and, and the character he, he's so bad because he's you know he's a scumbag but the movie like presents it as if he's like but he's not he's just not no. No. So there's scenes where like you're just, it, it it's it affects the other characters in the movie because there's the girlfriend Jennifer, and you know that actress has gone on to have a career. Yeah, you know she's she's I guess she was uh, she's on she's works on working all the time according to IMDb. But like as your watcher, you're like, why would this character date John? Like she, she needed the job. She's I written mean, it, no, but I mean I mean in, I know, in the movie I know, we, I know I know I just she didn't have a lot of credits to her name when when she did this. But like the character as written, the way she portrays it, you would never think she would have anything to do with this guy. And like, here's the, the John accidentally insults her, right? He throws a guitar pick in his eye or something like that by accident. And he comes, she comes in and he does, he can't see. It's a really contrived thing. So he ends up insulting her and then he tries to make it up to her. And like, this is supposed to be charming. 
Whatever. We are getting off to a bad start here. Can we start again, please? Can we start again, please? Yeah. Could we start again, please? <gasps> Looks like you've made your point now. Hey, I'm leaving. Oh, no, 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 I'm just kidding. All right, I promise, no more singing. <sighs> but where are you going tonight, my little angel? <laughs> okay, you're a wacko. I'm an idiot, actually. A but... little bit. <laughs> He's the idiot. This guy's an asshole. I'm a good guy. So where are you going? So uh, he's trying to be act. what John Bill Murray act. and Stripes yeah. when he meet, meets the female M, like Sean Young and uh, the the woman for Halloween whose name escapes PJ Souls. PJ Souls, right? So like this character Jennifer, I don't understand why she would go on a second date with him. Why she would agree to see a prostitute with this dude? Oh, yeah, I mean, listen. Th this why does she want to make John's fantasy comes come true? Why is she laughing at everything John says? And like that, there's one scene, Brian. I don't know if you picked up on this. It's the, after their first date. There's this random line thrown in. Like we don't we don't get any really backstory of of who this woman is. And also, there's a terrible montage where all these where John rates all these girls as not being worthy because they either they talk too much yeah. or, or or whatever. It's just like, dude, you're not you're not sympathetic. You're being a condescending a hole here. But so they're walking down the street. And they, they almost briefly go back uh, into, they give her some type of reason, I think, as to why someone who's like seems well-adjusted would, would date. Would do all this, yeah. This scumbag. <laughs> so your parents ever come see the show? My dad did. My mom, uh, forget about it. I don't even know where she is, so. What, is she a flight attendant? <laughs> no, see? a drug addict. Did you catch that? You might have been yeah, breathing. Yeah, no. He's I a drug addict. But the thing is, John tells a really hacky joke right Flight before attendant. that. Yeah. You know, like to takes away her line almost. Like it takes yeah, away. And, 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 and it's like, oh, your mom was a drug addict. But then it's yeah. never like, what? Like, it, it's just, I almost feel like they just crowbarred that in there to give some type of explanation. Maybe they're like, well, why would, what, 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 why would, what would motivate this girl? Oh, she's, she's had trauma in her life or some crap like that. There was this other movie that years ago, I mean, it was okay. Donald Logue, uh, Tower Steve. I think I saw, I don't remember a thing about it. But, it, you know, what it was was, you know, a guy out of shit, you know, it was like this guy was sexy. He had a, he had a, he had charisma. And here's the thing about, like, and, you know, it sounds a little weird, but John's not a sexy guy. He's not even a good looking guy. Right. Like, like he's, well, and, and He's not like he won't play schlubby. That's right. the other thing. Yeah. If he played schlubby, it'd probably be a little bit better. But he's not good looking enough for this. Woman. He's not Rob Lowe. This would like be a yeah. Rob Lowe part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And also like just just continuing like John's character stinks. His character stinks so bad it makes the Jennifer character stinks. And then you have Jeffrey Ross in there, right, as the sidekick. The thing with this movie is Stuttering John is also a sidekick. It's yeah. a movie with two sidekicks. So the sidekick has a sidekick essentially because John's not a leading man and this character's not even written strong enough to have him carry the movies in every scene. But him and Jeff, then the same character as well. well there are lines. Say, yeah. they, the, the delivery of the lines is the same where it's like you, you kind of want to, I'd love to talk to Jeffrey Ross and be like, dude, you didn't, did you try to like punch up the script or help this guy out at all? Because the John's, John's comedic styling, the way he's doing dialogue seems to be, it's, it's almost like how Jeffrey Ross has a sort of old time, old -time vaudevillian or whatever, yeah, yeah. Shecky green type friars roast delivery here. And it just totally, you know, beaches this movie. Also, and that's like, go ahead. It, to me, it was like, you could tell he wrote it for Artie Lang because all the jokes are Artie Lang. Like, there was a couple fat jokes. Wait, did he really write it for Artie Lang? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, Artie That's talked true? about it. Yeah, like, Artie talked oh. about it. Like, where he wanted him to be in the movie. Wait know. a second, wait a second. Wait, there's no, no, come on. John wrote this for himself. He had to, right? No, I mean, I if meant, you think about I, it. No, no, no. I meant the Jeffrey, the Jeffrey Ross part was supposed oh, to be Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. So I like, lost you like there. Jeffrey, like, when you hear Jeffrey Ross's hooker stories, you hear the, oh, I'm too okay. fat. Like, Jeffrey Ross in that movie is might be in a little bit better shape than Stuttering John. He's not a fat guy to do, tell some of those jokes that he was saying. Oh, okay. So, and then there was a that bunch makes more of, sense. Like, that makes the, a little more the, sense. I think there was bookie jokes. I think there was uh, hook. There's definitely hooker jokes. There's definitely you know drug jokes. 
So that was totally supposed to be Artie Lang. And maybe Artie could have elevated it or just being himself. Yeah, but but Jeffrey Ross is like calling it in, man. Like, first off, everyone, like you said, John's not helping anyone because he's that bad. Dude, the scene with him and his wife, and I know that's way at the end. Susanna? Yeah. Yep. There's no chemistry in that scene, and they're supposed to fall in love. Like, that's, right then well, and there. That's like, way we can't, you're getting, that's how I was going to close it. Uh, also, all right, so let's play some of John's dialogue we've talked about. I mean, another problem, you know, all right, so we got characters as a problem. You know, the, the script in general, also, right? But but subdividing that, the, 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 the lines, the jokes, John, John's writing is so hacky. What were but you can say? I, right before you say this, also, it just sounds like it's, like the audio is too good for the movie. Everything's so clear. It's actually pointed out in a in a DVD a review that I came across from like Collider. Oh, really? They're like, yeah, I mean, and, and I guess that they're like, wow, the the audio is so incredibly crisp. It's like that the audio engineer or whatever knew what he was doing, and but like the director mean, and the director of photography, not as much. That makes and I guess it's filmed. Hackier. It's not. It's not film too but that's that's wait that's gonna be i know but with, that's what makes the jokes hackier is the sound is so good so you hear like every like the pause you hear it all like well, and I noticed yeah that. there, that's why when i they, kept thinking it was stand-up when john first kisses his love interest jennifer on a street right they actually played it in that jay leno thing but they didn't have the the audio from the movie john does this weird thing and it's really loud where he goes mm, mm, and it's like kissy sounds and and he's moaning you know like it's just it's bad and it's not it's not played for comedy it's just yeah. a mistake that they somehow left in there all right so here here's like john a typical typical dialogue from this movie dude being a jew or a catholic it's like being a yankee or a med fan the only difference is where a Yankee fan can recognize a good player like Carlos Delgado playing for the Mets, the Jews can't appreciate a good player like Jesus playing for the Catholics. Uh-huh. I mean, they must be jealous. I mean, he's young, virile, swimmer's body, can walk on water. And you know what really pisses them off? Is that he was once on their team. It's kind of like when the Red Sox got rid of Babe Ruth. Are you done? I, I, I Right out of, like, a bad stand-up act. Yeah. Like that's not well, movie dialogue. It's not. It doesn't advance the plot. It doesn't tell you more about the character. It's not engaging in any way. It's a bad stand-up bit. His whole dialogue, I swear, is jokes that he's worked on and worked on. Like he's really proud of. Yeah, and they're but they're real hacky. They're really, really like, whoa, dude. Like again, this whole movie, it's supposed to be a sex comedy, and there's not one time that I'd be like, listen. I mean, as bad as I mean, you brought up super bad and, you know, even Pineapple Express has a little sexiness to it. But like even American Pie, like so many years ago, set out to do something, you know, as bad as Porky's is. And that's a bad movie. But like it, there, there's some this raunchiness. Is, there's something. Yeah. And this also is like, like Boomer Porky's too, because they're everyone's well, like, they're, they're too old John's, to be engaging in this behavior. John's in his thirty, late thirties, forties, like probably playing thirties in this, trying to be, but really they're forty year old men talking about having a threesome, which fine to each his own, you know. That's your Friday night, but like I don't know if I want to see a movie, right? You don't want to hang out with these characters because it's way, just, with like yeah. a sex comedy, you know. That's what I mean, like a raunchy, you know, bad word movie. I don't want. I don't, I just, it was a one trick pony. It's creepy as hell. All right. So here is, you know, eventually, like I said, John has the threesome and he actually has a couple. They like start a stupid relationship. Yeah. It's it's just, and it's not, it is, it's pretty nasty and creepy, but then suddenly Jennifer just breaks up with them for just to move the plot. So they've something happened in this movie and here's how it happens. Bullshit. You were all over her. You don't care anything about me. Oh, come on, Jen. Not again with this. You know what I think, Thomas? Being loved just by me isn't good enough for you. Jen, of course it is. Come on, will you stop it with this? <sighs> Look, sweetums, I love you more than love itself. This dollar chick is nothing more to me than a sperm receptacle. Sperm receptacle? <sighs> You're an asshole. Just kidding. Figure of speech, poetic license. Jen, come on. Like, okay. I, I'm just thinking, like, who would I see in this role if you're uh, Andrew Dice Clay? Andrew maybe. Dice Clay. Maybe. If you had Andrew Dice Clay, like, in his prime, could have pulled off this type of character. 
but like that's some that's some awful writing yeah and and it's just not well acted like it literally sounds like he's reading his dialogue yep like and it's so trying it out at the club and he's not an actor like you know you you think of dice because that last uh phrasing he just did in oh it's a it's like dice ripoff yeah it's literally him doing dice but he doesn't do that the whole other movie like throughout the movie like he right and again you know can i be honest too just call your character john because well, Thomas, yes. like it's a like it's confusing Thomas to him, like it's, he doesn't it's even respond. It's John, right? And and just the way he—that's supposed to be sort of a dramatic moment. I mean, kind of where like this girl's breaking up because then he's like that. He has this big, you know, he gets all depressed the and he's crying for scenes. Yeah, like but all it's of like, that. but wait a second, you were just joking about it. Well, that's what I—that's what I don't get. You know, he wants to find the woman that will have threesomes with him and be happy. But meanwhile, he's having sex left and right on the whole movie right like it, it, it makes it, no sense it doesn't make any sense and then the payoff is not even that great of a payoff like this i think movie the, goes nowhere the best line in the movie actually is in the bloopers oh, it's yeah. jeffrey ross and you can barely hear it like the best the, the only funny line in this movie you can barely hear because it's like jeffrey roth ross sort of off mic but let's see if we listen real carefully. It's at the very end of this clip. Do you really believe Moses parted the Red Sea? It was low tide. Yeah, this was during credits. <laughs> you fucking idiot. Mr. Ross just sneezed. Mr. Ross just sneezed. I'm allergic to your acting. I'm allergic to your acting. Imagine if they just let Jeff. I mean, isn't he supposed to be like Mr. Rose? They let him like ad lib or something. Could we have gotten a better movie oh, out of this? That's the thing. You know, John was probably such a crazy, you know, read my dialogue. I got like, listen, every story you, know, like, you hear the, about John, you know, it's his way or no way. So I guarantee you, you know, oh my God. I mean, I wish someone rewrote it. Like, well, see, here's the thing John is such a bad actor. I, even good dialogue he couldn't master. He's going to, yeah, it's going to be very stilted porn style. And also, are you going to bring up the scene where he uh, defends a stutterer? I didn't mention it, but yeah, we can talk. Well, let's let's get into this stuff now because... John, he's so patronized. I mean, that... It's pretty It's pretty schmaltzy. And, and yeah, you would get... If this wasn't a vanity project, that would have been cut out of the movie. Yeah, that... And also, I just found it like, hey, dude, all right, I you know, you've evolved maybe... But, you know, he made a career and now like the way he just like, what's that? It's word? totally cool. Well, here's the thing. Like the so we talked about the, the characters being uh, a sore point in this movie, a real weakness. The the hacky John lines attempts at comedy are really bad. And I'll say another major problem. This movie is stuffed full. I, we went over the plot points, right? Guy wants to have a threesome. Yeah. But he, he doesn't just want a threesome. He wants to date a girl, settle down with her, but she has to be willing to accept yes. threesomes, which is bizarre. Even having to explain that plot, is, is, it's, it's like a stutter. But uh, between those two points, those plot points, the movie goes on all these different side missions, right? John plays a, a children's party clown at one point uh, for some reason it doesn't even make sense it's just th- this thing he does and, and here it is how about the birthday girl shelby shelby i'm gonna pick you to volunteer well how can she be a volunteer if you're picking her who are you judge judy what am i supposed to do well, why don't you come over here and hold this hat hey get over here you morning shelby getting his nose back get over here i'm gonna get you Let's get over here you know what? You keep that one. I'll take his. Besides, his is funnier looking. Get over here. Give me that nose. I And that's so the kids run around the room and they all jump on Mark Cuban, who's it's his daughter's birthday, it's and he hired John. Birthday, yeah. Why is that scene in the movie? Because he could get Mark Cuban. That was that was it. Like he doesn't even have any dialogue. He's got some more in the next scene. But okay, so there's that weird side mission there. There is what Brian said. Yeah, there he, he twice encounters a little boy who stutters, which serves no purpose in the movie. It serves no purpose other than to make himself look good. And like yeah. kind of virtue say signaling. Like, that's what they would call it yeah, today. Virtual like, signaling. You know, that's all. And that, that actually really bothered me. You know, that that actually like pissed me off. He goes on an audition for a commercial. 
that goes on far too long. I mean, clearly John has must have been on a lot of commercial yeah. auditions, but I mean, that's interesting. Okay. But not for a movie, not the, it, it, the scene should have been 45 seconds. It goes on for what seems like five minutes. Uh, and the only purpose of that scene, the one and only purpose is to briefly introduce this minor character, his real life wife, or then real life wife, Susanna, who he ends up with at the end of the movie. Which, the whole, when I first saw that scene, I was like, that's all he did for his wife. Like, that's only, you know. She plays an assistant. She, she plays uh, an assistant. A, yeah, she stands there for a And we're not second. even getting, I mean, the whole thing when the, when the Dabblers United or Dabblers Unanimous and Why Do I Podcast, when they screened this on YouTube, all they did was uh, they would drink. The, the one dude was hammered by the end of the broadcast. Ugh. It was hilarious. That was much funnier than, than what we were watching. But every time John said something politically incorrect, because this movie is full of like yeah. uh, uh, gay jokes, racial jokes, uh, like nonstop. And John, of course, now is preaching. You know, yes. he, he tries the to, other. Yeah. 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 He goes above and beyond uh, trying to call out people who do that now and in his role as some type of half-assed uh, political commentator but okay the whole tony and tina's wedding thing he calls uh, it something else yeah that is i don't i don't understand why we're in any of that he he gives them he gives these actors like these this terrible dialogue to say and they're just acting out scenes from tony and tina's wedding but it's shot so poorly constructed so badly tony and tina's wedding you know the whole thing was you went to a church in manhattan and you were, you know, the whole the whole gimmick of the play was that the audience are guests at this wedding. So you have actors acting the plot alongside all, like, sitting. You. Yeah. Side yeah. characters come and sit down. Now, that's what that scene was supposed to be. Yes. But it doesn't see it doesn't play like that. And there's a laugh track because it's supposed to be a play, but there's no audience. There's no shot showing anybody else there. So it goes to your point. And that's like the, the last thing, the, the whole way this movie is composed and how bad that is. But uh, we, and then uh, just the other sidetracks. All the therapy scenes with Jim J. Bullock are repetitive yeah. Yeah. and, uh, again, add nothing to it. You do that but, once or twice, but they keep going back to it. But but because it's all these cheesy sets, everything is from certain angles. You never get real coverage of any scene. Like, listen, it drove me nuts every time they show uh, John in his bed with his bed right up against the corner. And I swear, like, one time he jumped on it and the, the walls moved. So <laughs> it's like, it's so, like, it just... There's no production design. Oh, we'll just put a picture back there. It just the movie. Like, yeah, you, you I have, have like the next problem behind you. The and next just, problem I was going to say is that it, it's just asking: is this is this a movie or a 1990s sitcom? But but wait, before we get to that, there's like there's a I mean, sort of the maybe it's a highlight or it's the climax of the movie. I guess no, it's not the climax. But he puts a lot of time and effort into the scene where they get with a prostitute. And the yeah. whole thing is John doesn't have cash. And he, so he makes all these trips to go get cash. And it's sort of like a mini, uh, uh, what was the um, Martin Scorsese movie with Griffin Dunn? After where Hours. It's, yeah, it's like a little mini After yeah. Hours thing. But like, you know, literal toilet humor is involved. So, I mean, the scene, at least it builds, like I'll give him credit for, you know, he puts all these hurdles in the way of him being able to, uh, to get the money to have the threesome he desperately wants with his prostitute. But the toilet scene, I mean, the toilet scene is just, uh, it's just out of this world bad. I'm just going to play. I'm just going to play. Let's just play. I mean, it's, he has, so what ends up happening, he gets the money. I think it's a thousand bucks. He has the cash, but he, he whatever he ate before, I don't even remember. He, he gets diarrhea and it's a dumb and dumber thing. So he, he, you know, he has to go into the women's bathroom. He's not only in the women's bathroom, he's in the, the handicap stall. And what eventually happens is a, is a woman in a wheelchair comes in and needs to use the stall. <laughs> and the way this is shot, like, like you say, it's more like a horror movie than comedy. The way it's it's looking up John's nostrils as he. It's already going on too long. You know what I mean? And farts to me are funny, but right now I'm not laughing. He starts screaming. Oh. 
So yeah, there were. I wonder what she That's ate. The, is the comedy punchline? I guess John Melendez. So, but then uh, what happens is uh, he has to wipe. There's no. Uh, there's no toilet paper. He has to use the money to clean himself up. Right. Okay. And then he makes his way back to the whatever. I think they're in a hotel. They've rented a room yeah. where his prostitute and his girlfriend are waiting for him. And okay. But so he's, you know, he's obviously filthy, right? All I could get, all I, all I could think was like, he's not even going to, he's not going to yeah, shower. He's just going to, sh- that's such a stuttering John thing. But before that can even be addressed, it's not, he, and this is, this is another huge problem with this movie. He inserts a scene where he's riding the elevator with just like two random people. And for, you know, he kills whatever momentum he had from the, the toilet stuff and the, and the, 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 the effort to jump over these hurdles to have his threesome, he just has an elevator scene where he he just wises off uh, to some guys, and I and I I don't get it. So let me play this audio after fart elevator. You must be having a bad night. Yes, I am. You're very observant, Sherlock, aren't you? Who's this your partner? Mute Watson. Do you speak? Do you? Or do you communicate telepathically? Because if you do. Could you hear what I'm thinking now? I don't. I, the dialogue. I why? Why? How does that even? He's just wiped his ass with hundred dollar bills on his way to a threesome, and and he decides to have some Don Rickles, a bad Don Rickles. Like, but that's the other thing. It's just bad. Poor man. Like it's, up. <sighs> it's like he read a joke book from Henny Youngman. You know what I mean? Like these are not like there. you know. Then the last thing, okay, we've already talked about it a little bit, but everything in this movie looks like it was filmed on the same set, just like with different green, not green screens, but different curtains, different draperies. Yeah, they painted a wall. And this is where I was was dying to ask you this because you're a guy who works on movies and you've worked on low-budget movies. What's the deal there? What makes the movie look so cheap? The lighting's flat. They, I get, I guess that I, I get that it's low up. budget, but this looks no, no. You're all right. Did I freeze up? You're all right. Yeah, you froze up. Um, they just didn't pay someone to do that. They just had didn't have enough people on the crew. Like there is a whole department. You know, usually on a smaller movie, it is literally like two people. That's their job is to decorate all that stuff. Either they didn't pay someone good enough, they didn't get someone good enough, or they thought what that was was good enough. Um. And is it all the same? Because it looks like, I mean, every the club looks the same as the yeah, bar dude, looks the same as Tony threw, and Tina's. What was, that's what was throwing me off. And they weren't filled enough and they weren't filled the right way. Like they were overlit like a soap opera. So they're probably in a stage where you have lights over the head overhead. So it's easier to like light it. But they just didn't. It, everything literally was a TV set. You never saw one wall. Like you never like the camera never seemed to go around anyone. And everything was covered in those in those like, I don't know, blankets or whatever the heck it is like that was everywhere in this movie. So they just didn't have the space. And I don't know, rather than find something like I don't know why you would use a set if you were filming in New York City, you could find a bar and even just, you know, change it, you know, somehow. And was it even I, I, I mean, I guess I mean, one thing is there's there's definitely DVD commentary. Uh, with this, because I, I was under the impression just from looking at it, I had the feeling and I could be completely wrong that maybe only some exteriors were filmed in New York City and the All rest right, of it's just on an and L.A. Then they went to a set and, and that makes sense. And then they went back to L.A. or whatever and filmed there. That's what it kind of smells like, doesn't it? Because there's no well, New York vibe to this. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, but yeah, there's no bar. There's no. They did like know? they walked out of scores. Oh, that was yeah. the Howard Stern uh, connection. I saw Lonnie. Yeah. Uh, gets a thank you. But I did not York. like uh, like that cheapness really takes me out of it. Like, listen, you, I can watch a cheap movie, but the minute you have like something that you got at, you know, some housewife store, you know, like where yeah, it says, Costco, you know, relax home goods. On yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like it just has those slogan things. And there's, you know, when you have that in the wall on the wall and, just you know, random you have, crap. You have a yellow pillow with a blue, you know, blanket. Like you went somewhere and that's like staged already. You know what I, I mean? I did like notice like the sink in Stuttering John's apartment still had like, it, it must not have been a working sink. It looked like a model 
because it still had a sticker on it that you would see in a Home Depot. Yeah, and you like bring the thing home. Well, it's probably because they were going to go return it. They put it in just for the day, and then they're going to go return it. Yeah, so it didn't work. I mean, that's the thing. It looked cheap. And, and then there's the- like, then there's this one scene stuck out. In fact, I, I might have the audio uh, where the, I'm trying to see if I can find it. But there's a scene where the, the woman, they, they have this successful, successful threesome with shows up and they're at like, it's supposed to be a club. Uh, but maybe I don't have it. But anyway, it, it starts with uh, the way she kind of like, they're, they're sitting on the floor and the director zooms in and has like a montage of Coronas yeah. piling up. And just the angle is weird. The lighting is weird. And this music plays. And it's just, and then you get like Sering John is cracking them up uh, a little more. But yeah, I definitely don't have it. Oh wait, maybe this is it. Because again, this is like how annoying John's character is. So now they meet the woman who's a singer that they're going to have this threesome with that eventually John's uh, girlfriend will leave him for. So those are the bottles. Yeah. You want to hear my impression of Yoda? Oh, this is so bad. <clears throat> a Jedi you are! <laughs> Wanna hear my impression of Grover from Sesame Street? Uh-huh. Mm, a Jedi you are! <laughs> you get it? It's the same guy. You get it? <laughs> oh, I'm such an idiot. Hey, Darla. Hey. Hey, when's your album coming out? I don't know. A couple months, I guess. Oh, so exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I love that last song you did. Oh, oh. thank you. I think I can sing the chorus of it. No, no. no. <laughs> I always thought I was a good singer. Oh, huh? come on. You know what, you guys, let's get out of here. You want to come back to my place and get some drinks? Huh? Yeah. I just yeah, keep yeah. listening to the song in the background. Is that Stuttering John singing yeah. over his own dialogue? Yeah. And that's what's so weird because it's kind of perfectly mixed. Like the music's loud enough that you can actually follow along and like phase out his voice. So you got stuttering John saying his own terrible jokes while he sings. Uh, everything is just wrong with that scene, character-wise, dialogue-wise. And, and there's no chemistry. The way it's filmed. There's no chemistry. There's Why are no they laughing at him? They're not like, but they're fake laughing, and you can hear them. You can hear them acting. We're not watching this. We're hearing it, and, but you could hear everyone in that scene acting. So uh, the last thing I'll bring up is we've also mentioned this is how bad the ending is in this movie. So Jennifer leaves John for whatever her name was, Darla, the woman we just met in that last uh, clip. And then, uh, so John has like depression. There is a great scene that's, you know, here he sits uh, dressed as a clown in a car because it's just, it's so John right now. And then John is rolling around on his apartment couch with bottles everywhere which is also unfortunately very much 2022 john you know there's no there's no denying it i love you john but you're a drunk dude it's it's sad uh so he goes through the depression thing and then suddenly out of the blue inexplicably for no reason the assistant shows up from the commercial he had auditioned for or maybe auditioned for two commercials and she's just like oh you want to go get a cup of coffee and this is the final dialogue of the film. Don't you have a boyfriend? I did. I don't anymore. He kept trying to get me to sleep with other women. Really? Really. What an asshole. I guess the moral of the story is, if you love what you got, and you got what you love, don't fuck it up. It's like, what is that? With that, that guitar, I expect to see Joe Pesci firing into the camera like at the end of Goodfellas. It's like, what, what is that? And what is that lesson? And where, why? So it's sort of a happy ending. This guy who's been a scumbag the yeah, entire movie. Know, he's going to like this girl. <laughs> no, that's the other thing. Like, it, it's just, again, it's, it's like it's he's so pedestrian. watched so many movies. But he didn't take away anything from those movies. Prince, I went and looked like what other because the way this movie is shot, it made me think of when we would go to horror movie conventions in like 1999, 2000, 2001, where every table in the vendors room at a horror convention were do it yourself filmmakers because there was that digital revolution where everyone was like, oh, I'm a filmmaker now. And I thought maybe this was from that era, you know, but it's actually this is years, a couple of years after that. I wonder. So 
other movies that came out that year, we got Step Brothers, Pineapple Express, Tropic Thunder, Role Models. Zach and Miri make a porno, which is probably the most comparable uh, to to this movie. Yeah. So those are the movies that were those are the obviously big budget movies. Although the Kevin Smith one, not as uh, as large as the others, but that was in the you know the atmosphere, the, the atmosphere. comedic atmosphere going on at that time, which just shows again stresses and underlines how bad and unfunny this movie is. Well, yeah, because his like sex jokes are 20 years too late or like, too, you know, yeah, they just don't they don't land it anymore. And the, the baseball references, like how yeah. do what you just instantly how did that get into a movie? But uh, I, the other thing I noticed, and this is just totally random, and I was wondering uh, why in the scene where John discovers his girlfriend, Jennifer, is cheating on him with the with the threesome girl. Were they wearing bras? Well, yes. Well, yeah. That, well, that's another thing. In John's sex scene, he's wearing boxers for the yeah. longest time. It's, it's so weird. But no, right before the camera goes into the bedroom, it lingers on a VHS copy of the 1966 French film King of Hearts, which is like some oh, really? cult I didn't art even film. That. Okay. It's so, and I, I went and looked at the plot of the movie. Like, is this, is, is this like the director saying this is the vibe I'm going for? And it, it no, it doesn't because the movie's about it's a quirky comedic war film that focuses on a Scottish soldier who is sent to a French town on a mission to disarm a bomb left behind by retreating the retreating German German army. Uh, he discovers the whole place has been abandoned except for inmates of the local asylum. They make him his king. So it's some type of, but it, it like you get it in focus. Yeah, like, it, it, it was bizarre. Uh, National Lampoon, by the way, and we're just wrapping this up right now. National Lampoon still exists. I mean, it's had a series of owners. You know, the brand is essentially dead at this point, but uh, it's got an inactive website, but it's got a pretty active Twitter account. Okay. Which I had no idea until tonight. Uh, looks like it's coming back as something. They've been like sort of hinting at something. I don't know what. I didn't bother to look it up because at this point, who cares? National Lampoon should be just, just let it go. They had their let glory days. You've been pooping on your, 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 legacy for 30 plus years now at this point. And this is probably the low point, I would say. I, don't, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of their other stuff, but this has to be a low point. The this other movies can't point. be as bad as this. Uh, it's now owned by some company called Palm Star Media, whatever. Uh, and just, this is from Collider.com. They reviewed the extras on the DVD when it came out years ago. And I'll just read this. A feature length audio commentary from director Michael DiLorenzo and credit hog, John Melendez is more informative than it has any right to be with the two participants sharing stories about various production hurdles and personal acting triumphs. Of course, Melendez is thrilled with the finished film and he shares his enthusiasm by burping into the microphone, praising his own ad libs and making fun of the extras. Honestly, when the two discuss low budget shooting predicaments, hard drive failure, location trickery, there's good information offered. Trouble is, you have to sit through this unpleasant film again to hear it. So that's well, one intrigued. too many. I'm, I'm intrigued. I might have to get the DVD. I, it's, is, I saw it was six bucks on eBay. Now it's nine bucks on eBay, but it's probably a good one. I mean, if, if like, it'll be on Dabblers Anonymous because people are aware that it's out there. So I'm sure someone, if they haven't already done so, There'll be something coming with that DVD commentary. It'll it'll be posted somewhere. So uh, for Carlos Danger, that's Brian Spears, and this was the mobile. No, I'm sorry. Ins that was our old name. Bastards. Insufferable bastards. Shh.